0: Turn off that mean person again. I can't stand people like him. By George, me and the Reader's Digest, so in Reading Circle, are just about to take a vote and send in a petition. George, turn him off, I said. Get back
1: here. You stop talking back to me. You hear that? I said, stop it. You too. You get down.
0: I i love to be applauded. Thank you, gang. Thank you. Oh, my God, that's what it's all about, love. Love. You can... We'd like to salute Jersey again tonight, if we may, for a No, magnificent. I didn't realize it. Do you know that Jersey contributed one of the great cultural uh, objets d'art? In fact, one of the great uh, formative things in many of our childhoods, it contributed to us this... Jersey uh, has contributed many things, but I think that when all the dust is settled, the fact that Jersey contributed 50 years ago, or actually 65 years ago, I believe, 65 years ago, it contributed to the American public and the world, in fact, it contributed the popsicle. Did you know that that Jersey contributed the popsicle? And it came out of angle with New Jersey, Now it happened? Yeah, let's give Jersey a hand. My God, you know what would we have done without pop- many a guy's walking around today with two pounds of silver in his mouth and got a perjury as a result of popsicles at an early age. <laughs> you know, mainline of them. In fact, uh, uh, you know, speaking of popsicles, I uh, did you ever did you ever go on a popsicle jag? Yeah, seriously. I know you did, Jerry. You got the look. You got a sort of a pinched look around the eyes. Well, you know, uh, every kid, yeah, every kid goes through these various uh, jag-type things, uh, you know, for a while. You just do nothing but uh, eat as much, uh, uh, let's say, uh, Yankee Doodles as you can lay your hands on. I went through a Twinkie thing that just didn't stop, man, I'll tell you. I I, uh, one time got a... Did I tell you about the time I got a a, a birthday dollar, one dollar, from my Uncle Tom? And, uh, you know, I could buy anything I wanted with the the buck, see, so I immediately headed down to Osterschlagers and bought one dollar worth of Twinkies. I proceeded to eat them in less than four minutes, thereby not only eating the most Twinkies that had been eaten in northern Indiana that season, but at the same time I set a time record. I mean, I just knocked them down. And I might add, they came up even quicker. That was even more exciting <laughs> in some ways. I was behind a the sign there, you know. But uh, I went through a, a popsicle jag at one point, and I got so that uh, that uh, I never say popsicle free sticks. This is uh, you know I've never won anything in my life. Even at the age of uh, six, I never won. So I never even worried about free sticks. I was hear about this. I never saw one. I hear there were such things. Were there? Did they actually say free on them? We we never uh, apparently they bypassed Lake County, Indiana. <laughs> I never saw a freeze steak. However, I will say this: that at one time, I got hung on cherry popsicles, to the almost total exclusion of any other form of food. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you I was I was knocking down popsicles every hour on the hour as long, as quick as I could get them, and I have to thank you, Jersey, for it. It cured me of anything that tastes like cherry ever since that time. I mean, I can't stand cherry hearing. Uh, anything that has cherry in it, forget it. I walked the away. Ever since that spectacular summer in my eighth year when I went on the cherry popsicle binge. So uh, Jersey inadvertently had an effect on my life. So we'd like to salute Jersey tonight. Uh, it came out of Englewood. Are you curious how the popsicle was invented? Like most great, uh, tremendous uh, inventions that have affected mankind. I think. I think the popsicle... Uh, along with uh, such things as the coke bottle, the uh, safety pin, uh, the rubber band, these things will be staples for thousands of years. You know, give or take uh, one. They may change. They may wind up with a pistol grip on a stick or something like that. But uh, you know, there won't be much improvement. <laughs> I mean, the popsicle is a popsicle. It's a, it's a basic commodity, and it's so it's so logical. The popsicle. That you would assume that nobody actually invented it. It was always there. It's like uh, rain and water and sand. It's a logical outgrowth of the human search for beauty. Uh, a logical thing. It's just obviously a thing. It's like all great classics. You hear, you hear a classic. Like for example, you hear. Uh, let's take a classic. Any any classic, you know, offhand. Let's take um, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. You know, it's a, it's a logical outgrowth of. Uh, you can't imagine Beethoven's Fifth Symphony not being written, you know, bum bum pa pa. you know that, you know. It's just uh, so logical. That's the essence of a classic. Now let's take another classic. Let's say, uh, uh, let's say, uh, Oh, i the sheik of Arabi. your love belongs to me. At night when you're asleep, into your tent I'll creep. Now that, that is such a logical song. Each word fits so perfectly the next word and the tone, logically proceeds that you cannot imagine the world without and machine conveyora be, do you agree? Same thing with the popsicle. And the popsicle is a classic, a classic. <laughs> I mean, it really is. And, you know, you never hear anybody talk about this kind of stuff. Huh? You know, all these, you know, these very official writers uh, uh, who write about the life, uh, write about sex and, and all you know, all the things which all writers of all times have always written about, don't give you much insight as to how life is actually lived at a time that it's being lived. Uh, for example, there are very few references in 19th century writing, let's say, to how it felt to have a case of the shingles, which was a 19th century disease. <laughs> it would be kind of great to know about it, you know. Uh, there is no reference at all, very little reference. As to how uh let's take uh a classical dish of the nineteen hundreds. Uh are you curious what a classical dish of the nineteen hundreds was? Well, pheasant stuffed with oysters. W- yes, that was the kind of thing Diamond Jim Brady ate. I don't know how that would how the hell that would taste, do you? Good, you think? It sounds pretty good at that, come to think of it. <laughs> But, uh, but you know, nobody writes about this kind of stuff. And so I am going on record right now, uh, assuming that uh, a thousand years from now somebody's going to dig up this tape, that we are paying homage tonight, or at least part of our show tonight, we're paying homage to New Jersey for bringing forth uh, the Popsicle. Now, you're curious how it started. I'll, I'll tell you, it's a very simple thing. It was actually invented by a kid. You know, it, it came about... In uh, just about this time of the year, and uh, you know how this type of weather is around here Uh, in the early, late uh, winter, early, very early spring? Like, all of a sudden, you'll have a freezing snap, and then you'll have warm weather. Well, this kid, uh, age 11, made some lemonade. This was in 1904, It's a long time ago. He made lemonade. And he drank some of his lemonade, and it was warm. And he put uh, the lemonade out on a porch. And a cold snap hit, and overnight it froze hard in a rock. And so the next morning they had this, uh, you know, they had this frozen lemonade. So the kid starts to, he licked the lemonade. And it was great. It was better than it was before. <laughs> so the kid says, wow, it's fantastic. His old man says, well, that's incredible. He licked a little bit of it. And sure enough, the first popsicle was born. Now a lot of things are born and nobody does anything about them. Now, that's a fact. You know that there there is at least one bit of evidence to prove that well over 75,000 years ago, an unknown denizen of a cave outside of uh, Marseille, France, actually invented the safety pin. Now because he just invented it, pinned up his uh, pinned up his uh, his. Uh, Whatever he was wearing there, that fur jock strap, whatever he had on there, he pinned it up, see, but he didn't do anything about it. You know this is what the what happens. It could have changed mankind right at that point, but he did not. He merely pinned it up, and a thousand of years went by, and they found his safety pin, but it was too late for him to get a patent. You know the whole thing his family uh, never got a cent out of it. However, some smart guy came many, many eons later invented the safety pin, and we all know what what happened well this guy in 1904 saw the commercial possibilities of this frozen lemonade and uh, he proceeded to freeze lemonade at first. That's how they did it. They froze lemonade. And, uh, of course, that was kind of bad because a lot of people didn't like lemon. Uh, Some did, some didn't. But he got all the lemonade cuckoos in town, slopping away at that, you know, licking their chops over this frozen lemonade. And then he decided to go a little bit further. He says, now, they like lemonade. How about let's try a little of this... uh, well, it was uh, cherry julep, you know, they they drank stuff like that in 1904. They had uh, drinks like uh, Moon River. You ever hear of yellow, uh, of uh, Green River? Excuse me, it's Moon. It's Green River. Well, Green River is a drink that was very popular around the turn of the century. Green River, and it was a kind of a lime drink, and so uh, they began to freeze uh, Green River. They froze uh, um, cherry julep. And of course, each flavor they added, more people crowded around, and then uh, they decided what they were going to call it was the Popsicle. And so since 1904, the Popsicle has stood proud and tall among man's achievements. Gets very little credit. Very little credit. Who do you think invented the first bottle cap? I mean, you know, the kind of bottle cap you get to say, you know, you get a bottle of Coke or Pepsi or something like that, and you pop it open. Well, you know that bottle cap made carbonated drinks possible. You can you can't keep a carbonated drink with a cork in it. No way. And so the first bottle cap, the guy that invented the bottle cap, he he changed the whole world. He did, you know. <laughs> so uh, we have to salute the uh, we have to salute uh, jersey for that. Did you know that jersey was also preeminent in the uh, in the discovery of and the final Uh, Creation of one of the great curses of modern man, television. Uh, Yes, Jersey was absolutely pivotal in that. Did you know that? How many many people know that? Well, I do. (laughs) Jersey, Jersey. And it's brought all kinds of wonderful things to mankind. Uh, By the way, you're listening to WOR, speaking of uh, various curses that uh, descend on man. And do you have a little ding-dong in there for us? Hit the button, please, if you will. I was sitting at a stoplight and it turned green A car went by looking really mean So I stepped on the gas, went by like a shot Man, this Mazda sure is hot Piston engine goes But the Mazda goes I'm on the highway singing a song And my rotary engine is a-humming along That rotary power feels good to me Me and my Mazda in harmony Piston engine goes. But the Mazda goes. If you're looking for a cause in which to believe in your piston engine has caused you to grieve, don't stick with a car that might go sour. Make your slogan Rotary Power. Piston engine goes. But the Mazda goes. Yeah, yeah, we have a little thing here for Mazda. Let's see. What does it say? Feel powerful. Drive a Mazda. Visit one of the 28 Mazda dealers in the greater New York area for a test drive. That's nice. Exciting. Nothing like feeling powerful. And if you'd like to feel powerful, man, and leap tall buildings at a single bound. Yeah, whistle between your teeth and do all those things. You just keep listening to W.O.R. New York. And also, you listen carefully from this uh, indelible word from the California Prune Advisory Board.
1: Two cheeseburgers, well done. Hold the onions, hold the mayo, BLT
0: and whole we chose, and two away, on white. <coughs>
1: Pardon me, ma'am. I'd like to have some dessert. What do you have?
0: Yeah, sure. We got apple, berry, cherry pie, cream puffs, cookie uh-huh. cups, rice pudding, bread pudding. Vanilla, strawberry, chocolate, cheesecake, pound cake, a gooseberry surprise.
1: That's wonderful. Uh, I think I'll have some prunes.
0: Prunes?
1: <laughs> you want prunes? Yes. <laughs> uh, I'd like to have a bowl of prunes. <laughs> Mention prunes, and people just naturally break up. Uh, maybe they still don't know that pound for pound, prunes have more iron, niacin, and vitamin B2 than the six leading fresh fruits. And eight times the vitamin A of the most popular fresh fruit. They're even good for your complexion. It's about time people gave another thought to the California prune, the funny fruit that does so much for you. Look, I just want some prunes. Put them in a bag. I'll take them home.
0: Oh yeah, that's that 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 really gets you where you live. You know, it's very exciting. Let's see, we have. Um... Oh yes, of course, the House of chance. House of Chan. Uh, By the way, the House of Chan is going along with a meat boycott, in case you're interested. (laughs) And and they will give you a, uh, uh, what, I I think price uh, knockdowns uh, of up to, let's see, do we have it here? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Starting, well, yesterday, the day before, uh, the House of Chan will reduce by as much as 30% the prices of all chicken dishes. So if you... And that means a lot in a Chinese restaurant. Incidentally, there are 117 ways in the House of Chan of preparing chicken, and all of them are great. That means you could start today and uh, almost, uh, let's see, 117 times 2, is uh, that would be 234. That's close to two-thirds of a year, right? 234. You could start there right now, and uh, for if you ate one meal... A day at the house of Chan you uh, and, and ate nothing but chicken one third of a year roughly, you could go by no wait a minute, no, it would not be boring because there are one hundred and seventeen ways to prepare chicken, and they really are all different seriously uh, you could you could eat there uh, till uh, damn near a uh, World Series time <laughs> and never repeat yourself. So that's the kind of restaurant it is, and they're not kidding that's the house of Chan. 52nd Street and 7th Avenue. It's great Chinese food. Seven days a week. They have a good bar. And uh, if you're going down to the theater, this is a great place to go because they can get you over there quick. Food is all fresh and sparkling because they have 22 uh, chefs all standing there by their wok. You know, what is a wok? That's what happens when you fluff doing a commercial. Or you get a ball in your teeth when you're playing shortstop. You've just pulled a wok. But, uh, nevertheless, that's the House of Chance, 52nd and 7th. Sorry. Couldn't help it. Way it goes. And, uh, now, one more. One, two, three, four.
1: Guess who was in here yesterday? George and them with a songwriter. Looking kind of down. Connery says to me right off, it's my new song. I can't finish it. And he starts mumbling a whole batch of stuff, something about kisses and gardens, kind of looking at the ceiling. So I say, George, what you need's a good glass of Valentine beer, chock full of purity, body, and flavor. Thanks, Connor, he says. That's a good idea. Maybe pull me out of my... Wait a minute, Connor. What's that you just said? The last part, purity, body, and what? Purity, body, and flavor, I tell him. Valentine's three rings. Connor, he said, that's it. That's my ending. There in the garden, the kisses I gave her smacking of purity, body, and flavor. Come on, that's it. My biggest hit since Moon Over Topeka. Some world, huh? Here, yeah, let me get you another Ballantine.
0: I'm a house. Well, that's a change. Ballantine Bach beer is now available. Falstaff Brewing Corporation, St. Louis, Missouri, and other spectacular cities in the Western world. You know, uh, speaking of. Uh, Speaking of uh, of crime, as we talked a moment ago, yeah, well that's right. You got you got to concede that uh, that uh, somebody's going to have to take responsibility for inventing television. Eventually, it's caused more trouble in the world, really. You think you think I'm kidding? Listen to this, man. There's all kinds of new crimes coming out because of television. Do You know that that, that every time a caper is pulled on TV, on one of the shows. You know, one of the police-type shows like uh, The Rookies or Adam 12 or any one of these shows where they have uh, nothing but crime. There's thousands of crime shows on now. That every time a major caper is pulled, within hours, somebody across the country tries it. The same thing. So uh, yes, this is this is. The TV has been around long enough now that there's hardly any doubt. But in in uh, any serious investigator's mind, I'm talking about an unbiased one to the effect it's having on contributing to various types of crime in the country. And it's also making criminals highly sophisticated because not only do they uh, teach how a crime should be pulled, but they also show what techniques and uh, and strategy the police use against such a crime. So it's a pretty exciting thing. One of the greatest uh, television crimes that I know of uh, that uh, just came out, uh, did you hear about the... the uh, little thing that happened in Dixon, Illinois. Now, do you know anything about Dixon, Illinois? Dixon, Illinois would fit in the average SO station in Trenton. I mean, you know, there's not much action in Dixon, Illinois. I've been in Dixon. And uh, you kind of exciting moment here in Dixon the other day. A mother and her two sons were injured by gunfire Monday night in a spectacular gunfight over which television program to watch. Uh, Clara Barton, 45, was in good condition, with gunshot wounds in each leg. (laughs) Her sons, Joey and Rick, were treated for gunshot wounds in the leg, back, and face, and released. Well, I just got done scrubbing, and I wanted to watch a quiz show, Mrs. Barton said. Uh, She said her son, Joey, kept changing channels. So she hit him in the chops. And uh, (laughs) the other son then jumped in. Well, I grabbed one of them little guns... She said referring to a 22 caliber pistol loaded with birdshot which was always kept around the house and of course i shot him in the legs in the melee for the gun police said the mother and another son were wounded and he was wounded while in full flight i like to see a guy get shot while he's moving i don't like those sitting duck shots uh, rick was charged with a, a aggra- aggravated battery and reckless conduct he was in the slam for a thousand dollar bond Mrs. Barton is facing the same charges as, long, as soon as she gets released. Now I don't know whether or not the TV producers are going to get any. i uh, <laughs> going to be held for complicity there, but uh, I like the idea of a gun. Now that's more exciting than anything that's on the screen. I imagine that uh, as that you know that the uh, kid is crawling under the uh, crawling under the uh, daybed with gunshot wounds. He I wonder if it, if it hit him. You know, just like on adam 12. Just like T V. Well, how exciting. But uh this uh the, you know, this, this kind of thing, uh, is, is beginning to show uh, more and more around the country. It's very exciting. Like like uh, the other night I played uh, I played Villanova University, you know, up on uh, in Philadelphia. And then uh, the night after that I played a uh, New Providence High over here in uh in uh, Jersey. It was not I wasn't playing a high school, it was a big thing, you know, for all the people out there and, and uh guy come up to me later, and he said, "Uh, uh, can I touch you, please? And I said, "Uh, well, yes, of course. And I stuck my hand out, and he touched me. He says, boy, he says, fantastic. He says, that's the first time I ever touched somebody that I saw on television. He said, it's amazing. You're warm, just like real people. And I said, well, yeah, that's true. And and to him, uh, (laughs) performers were always on the screen, coming out. And uh, it was very unreal to him. And uh, he wasn't kidding. It was a very, very... uh, It was a very traumatic moment for him to see a real person that was really on television because that's like another world to the people who watch it. It, uh, It's in that little box. You know, it's 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 an alien country. And so all these uh, dislocations of your head and time and all the rest of it, I think, are responsible. The responsibility of the electronic media is uh, definitely here. And, you know, it had to come. You remember years ago, what was what was the name of the of the famous uh, ecclesiast who gave his name to the language? It's now in small letters, and it means a guy who cuts out all the juicy stuff in uh, in books and novels and stuff. They now use his name as small letters. I wonder how many people know it's actually named after a real man. When they refer to a novel where something's been clipped out... Now, that doesn't mean uh, expurgated. No. What is it? I'll give you a clue. It starts with B. Now, now why, why is everybody so ignorant? You know, what do they say when they say it's been... It's been uh, it has been? starts with a B. I'll give you another cue. It starts with B-O. Let's see if you can get it, Jerry. And did you know this is a real man? And that's uh, that's why uh, why his uh, his name is famous, because he rewrote all kinds of children's stories back in the, I believe it was the early 19th century. And in fact, he wrote, a, I believe, he wrote a story about uh, George Washington, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, nevertheless, he took out all the uh, stuff that could even be remotely sexual or... Uh, or uh, racy in any way, shape, or form. Okay, I'll let you look that up. I'm not, not going to tell you the answer, but uh, his—it's a real man. Now, it had to—his name went into the language. His name went into the language, right? Because he stood for cutting stuff out of books. Well, there's a there's a new minister who's going to do the same thing, only in the electronic world. Did you hear about him? Yeah, in fact, uh, I imagine a thousand years from now, uh, they're going to have a term called um, That Show Was uh, Badly Licalzied. Yeah, there is a, a, the Reverend Philip R. Licalzied in Greenwich, Connecticut, uh, has a moral crusade. And uh, what is he doing? He's working with a pair of wire cutters. And he runs around and judiciously applied to the insides of a television set. He's... (laughs) He's gelding TV sets. Did you know that? Listen to this. It's causing all kinds of uproar up in Greenwich. I'll, I'll read it to you. I'm not inventing it. I'm getting it from one of the Greenwich papers, and I'll read it to you. The Reverend Philip Lacalzi's moral crusade is conducted not with the Bible read from the pulpit, but with a pair of wire cutters judiciously applied to the insides of a television set. The Baptist minister said he has initiated a campaign to eliminate certain channels in individual televisions to prevent the showing of X-rated films and other stuff he doesn't approve of. Quote, I have been told that in some parts of the country there have been explicit sex acts on television, the minister said. Quote, I think it's a disgrace when such language and conduct is shown in the homes of people. Lacazi says he has performed his censorship on dozens of sets so far in this Cumberland County community. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, He's 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 running around and he just cuts out the, 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 the channel. You know, he comes running and just cuts it out. Now that's a that's uh that's called Lacalziing, your television set. And uh, you can't conceivably see that bad stuff if you just clip the right wires, you know, and you switch to channel let's say channel the three or channel nine or channel two and they just clip the wires so you get nothing. <laughs> And you can bring your set in, see, to have it gelded like that. That's the point. He doesn't just break into your house and start cutting the wires. What he does is uh, if uh, if the set's getting you madder and madder, you go in and you just get, get the uh, offending channels cut out. And then ultimately, of course, what are you going to do if the channels, you know, other channels keep coming out with bad stuff? Next thing you know, you got all the switches cut. And then you can make your TV set into a nice holder for fern plants and uh, various other knickknacks around the house but uh this is this is a fact did you did you know about that thing all right uh you're you you're hearing it here nobody's talking about it, but it's the truth there's a and the and the crusade has gained do you want to hear more about it all right it says uh the crusade has gained uh tremendous uh a tremendous uh popularity in the area see and it says uh and we we're quoting the uh, the minister lacalsey see he just eliminates the channels entirely he, he not just certain shows he just cuts that channel right out. That's the end of it. Quote, someone goes to an X-rated movie because he wants that movie, right? The minister said. But on television, it's an altogether different thing. It's all uh, objectionable programs appear at any time. Uh, I cringe to think of what the future of the country will be if we bring up a whole generation of kids who've been exposed to X-rated films on television. And he just runs around and cuts out the channels. Well, now... Uh, <laughs> Now, that's exactly what this guy said, uh, the, the the guy who contributed his name to our language. Now, come on. Don't anyone even know the name of that character? There you got it. What is it? B-O-W. Come on. Boy, am I with a bunch of illiterates. I'm telling you. How did you guys ever get through school? Of course, I have noticed both of you move your lips when you read, so maybe that means something, you know? <laughs> yeah, he, the Reverend, and his first name was Thomas. And he, he went around, and he just cut all he whacked stuff right out of it. And it got so famous, his, uh, his censorship became so famous, that his name entered the language. And it now is in small caps, small letters, and very few people who use the phrase really know that it actually is a name of a man. Hmm? That's right. Write it down so you can so you recognize it. Write it down, Jerry, and spell it correctly. So then show it to the class. We want the class to see that. Write it down, Jerry. Make sure, yes, he got it in there. There it goes. Did you know that was a real man that did that? Well, write it down. Right, hold it up. let me see it. I'll tell you whether it's it's spelled correctly. see I, I don't I don't let my class off the hook easy, friends. no sir, I'm mean. yeah, it's b o w l d e r i z e d. is that the way you've got it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. He was a reverend. His name was Thomas. That's right. And uh, he he became famous for rewriting all kinds of uh, literature in very very innocuous terms, uh, so that the uh, people with sensitive ears would not run into the facts of life. <laughs> I mean headlong. And uh, so he became famous, and his name is now. Did you know he was a real man? Did you know that, Jerry? You didn't. Well, that's that's uh, that's how he became uh, he became famous. Uh, that is that's how that word evolved. It referred to him and uh I, I think that by maybe five hundred years from now, when the practice of clipping television channels out is very common, uh it will be called uh uh Licalze-ing a set. They say, you know that's another one another case of Likalsi-izing a script, and very few people will know that it comes from a guy in Greenwich lacalzi. <laughs> it's a fascinating thing what's going on uh but uh, this has been a problem for a long time you know that that uh, that, uh, that there's always a group of people who uh, who for one reason or another wish everything to be changed according to their viewpoint of life this is this has caused every every conceivable kind of war in the past and incidentally they always do it for the betterment of all of us <laughs> are, it's always done for our own good uh, it's never that uh, that they feel that uh, they themselves will be corrupted. No way. They want the others to be helped, uh, so that uh, there's no corruption. Wow, this is a, this is an old uh, this is an old problem. But uh, you can't you can't fight it. You got you got to accept it for what it is. You know, I I, I imagine there were attempts at one time to uh, to suppress the popsicle. I'm sure there must have been. Yes, there's uh, there's always been attempts to suppress almost anything. Almost anything you can point out was at one time. Uh, invade against, either by the pulpit or by scientists. You know, scientists often are working even more in the dark than the average guy. Uh, and that that's a very difficult thing to say, but it is quite true, due to the fact that scientific information can also often present misleading concepts, which the average guy won't even have. I, I remember the great classic in that form. Do you remember a guy on uh, television here a few years ago before we landed on the moon? you remember the guy that was predicting that the... And he was a famous uh, a Harvard astronomer. He was predicting that the astronauts would sink 30 feet into dust. He'd made all kinds... Now, my mother never thought there was 30 feet of dust on, on the moon, but it took a scientist to come up with that one. And, uh, so, so don't don't be so completely, you know, dumbfounded by scientists. They they they're often far wronger than most of us due to the fact that a little knowledge about something can be far more dangerous than no knowledge. And let's face it, man's knowledge of most things is very small today uh, compared to what it eventually probably will be in most t- scientific uh, fields. Have you noticed that, that uh, let's take even such th- simple things as diet, diete- uh, the business of diet, that every couple of months there's a whole new discovery made. Uh, one year they tell you that eggs are good for you, milk, eat a lot of milk. And they, you know, next thing you know, no eggs, no milk. <laughs> and then, and then uh, uh, the science, and this is all called science. Uh, they've gone through at least 15 different phases regarding best breast be- breeding or breastfeeding of children. Do you know that? That uh, that 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 goes back and forth. Every couple of years is a whole new theory, and uh, and all scientists uh, agree then for a short time, and then they suddenly reverse it. Uh, so don't be totally dumbfounded by science. Science is not to be confused, by the way, with technology. Uh oh, that brought up a whole new thing. Now they do have certain areas where they impinge, but technology is the is the is the mastering of the physical. Science is not necessarily that. Science is an extension of concepts, generally, especially if you're dealing in pure science. And so, uh, so a guy, a guy can sit here and he can, he can, using all the available knowledge, say to astronomers, he can come up with a theory that the that the moons of Saturn are composed of uh, Parmesan cheese. And uh, yes, he can, or or not quite that bad, but he can come up with, say, uh, a a very involved theory that they're composed of small balls of uh, uh, nitrogen gas. That's uh, conceivable he can come up with that. Then they send up a probe up there, and then you don't ever hear anymore about the nitrogen gas theory. (laughs) I mean, it just goes on completely. And for years, they will proceed on that premise. Everybody's been disappointed in the uh, the whole... uh, the whole Martian concept. You know, they, for years and years, scientists held that there were canals on Mars. Many scientists firmly believed that it represented the work of uh, of an intelligent being that actually got out there and worked away and made canals and the whole bit. And a lot of this scientific, pseudo-scientific, uh, science fiction uh, stuff was designed out, you know, was was based on those premises, the romantic concept of Mars, Richard, uh, Robert Heinlein, all these guys. And, of course, when, when you send a probe up there, nothing. It comes back, you know, there's a lot of holes in the ground and a lot of rubble all over the place, and uh, you, hear, you hear very little now about the canals of Mars. Do you, you agree? Okay, well, what happened to all those scientists a few years ago who uh, held firmly that they represented, and they did just a few years back, and they were legitimate scientists. Are they still walking around saying it? I doubt it. Uh, are they saying something else about something now that yet has not been proved fallacious? Also, yes, <laughs> true. <laughs> so, so uh, science, you know, science. And I'm not putting science down, nor am I trying to be anti-intellectual. I'm just saying that we we tend to think of science as a as a as a, as a sort of a fait accompli. It's a it knows everything, and unfortunately, it can often be totally misleading. Completely and thoroughly misleading uh, and and, uh, and can can in many ways be uh, dangerous, for example, a lot of the drugs that that came out just a few years ago as cures for various types of uh, illnesses and ailments in one kind or another proved to have far more dangerous side effects than they ever had in the original uh, the original thing you were treating this a fact, so uh, you got you know this is this is an unfortunate byproduct, so nobody quite knows what television, no, I'm very serious, nobody quite knows what television has done to the human mind, whether it's good or bad, and uh, unfortunately, you know, there's an old adage that says, a little knowledge is far more dangerous than none whatsoever, and that adage may be correct. Uh, in the sense that, that a little knowledge on the part of everybody in the world about the rest of the world can be more dangerous than no knowledge whatsoever. Uh, and, and, and that's what we really get on television all the time, just a little knowledge. You get a quick glimpse of Iran uh, just after the Alpo dog commercial on, uh, on the uh, Walter Cronkite show. Just enough for you to arrive at many mis. Misconceptions about it. You may not have had any conception at all about it before, you know. And that, so now you suddenly have a few misconceptions. And this, uh, this is one of the problems with with mass communication. And it's it's it. Nobody knows yet what. Uh, in fact, whether we ever will know, nobody knows. I suspect personally that by the year 2000, which is not that far away. Let's see, that's what uh, 27 years from now. It's not that long. Uh, By the year 2000, there will be a well-established branch of psychology that has not yet emerged that will be based on, you might say, electronic trauma. In other words, television is so real to many people that they will begin to have real traumas from watching it, just like uh, real life used to be real to people. (laughs) and they would get traumatized by something that happened to them at the age of two or three or four. Uh, A guy sees uh, some terrible thing happen in his family when he's only two or three. He doesn't really remember it, but it has traumatized him. It's affected him forever, and uh, 40 years from that date, he may be 42 now or 43, and suddenly he finds that, uh, that he's beginning to have nervous breakdowns. He can't function. And he spends weeks and weeks and years sometimes in an analyst trying to find out where it went wrong, what happened to him. And then all of a sudden he has what they call the aha experience, which is he suddenly uncovers that memory. And that itself can be a traumatic moment. The guy weeps and cries, and my God, he's, he flips when he suddenly remembers the, the day that he saw his, uh, his mother uh, throw a, uh, a, a butcher knife at his father that when he was two years old and it was a fantastic trauma and ever since that time he's been he's been afraid of women and he's been afraid of the yeah this is the, this is the way it goes see so he doesn't know and that's called a trauma and I, I very oversimplified it but that's really what it is now I, it's conceivable then since television is extremely real to many people many people television is realer than uh, than anything in their lives I suspect that many people feel they know Walter Cronkite or John Chancellor. They know him better than they know their members of their family. I know this is a fact with my work. I know that many, many people feel that they know me far better than they know their own relatives. And I get, th- you know, thousands of letters a year to say that very thing. So it is possible then to have a an electronic trauma. So a person at the age of two may inadvertently be in a room, and he, he is he sees the television. So this is even before he can understand television. He doesn't know anything. You know, he has no knowledge of the world. But he sees some fantastically horrible thing happen on television. He sees a fantastic thing happen, and the you know the adults don't even pay attention. They 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 have seen this for years on you know, this kind of stuff on TV. He sees this fantastic thing, and it may cause uh, a, a a traumatic equation to set up in his head. And years and years later, he suddenly begins to have all kinds of nervous breakdowns. Nobody can figure out why he he has a uh, he breaks out in a, in a fantastic rash and uh, and uh, can't talk for hours after he sees, let's say, a radish, <laughs> and uh, nobody can figure out why. Well, then they go back. They they start struggling to find out what it is, and they discover that at the age of two, he saw a science fiction movie where a guy was attacked by a giant radish that came from outer space. (laughs) And ever since that time, he he has carried this in his subconscious that the radish is going to get him. And uh, one day, under stress, he had what we now call the radish fit. Uh, He fell heavily to the ground in the Four Seasons restaurant, began to to chew the rug and scream that the radishes were after him, and... uh, (laughs) (laughs) They finally tied him up and took him over to Bellevue, and two and a half years later, they discovered that it came out of a Saturday morning TV show. But, uh, yes, you laugh, but I'm firmly convinced that Freud will be outmoded pretty much by the year 2025, and that there will be a school of psychology based entirely on the vicarious trauma rather than the real trauma. Because people's lives are getting more vicarious by the minute. And today, many, many people don't uh, even have any, any involvement with other people. They just spend all their time going to movies, uh, watching shows. Uh, so they have no involvement with real people. So how can they have traumas that come from real people? Their only trauma comes from watching something on the screen. They'll sit and they'll, they'll weep all day long with a TV soap opera, but never weep a tear over the problems of their own family. Get off my back! I'm watching against the storm. Can't you see there's a bad moment coming up? <laughs> I haven't got time to talk to you now. My God, Nora has just developed amnesia. What what am I supposed to do now? Talk to you? So I suspect by the year 2000 there will be scientists uh, in the mental sciences. They won't really call them psychology. I don't know what they'll call it. It's, it's an area for a new science. Many of you guys that are out there listening, you ought to see some of the letters we have on file here. You wouldn't laugh at what I'm telling you about. It's, a, it's so, uh, so so real, it's scary. And this is your old friend, in fact, probably your only friend. Yeah, it's Gene Shepard, your old friend, my God. You'll be back, don't worry, it's going to be all right. You'll be nervous with tomorrow night, but I'll be back, don't worry. Yeah. This is WOR New York, of course. Stay tuned for Lester Smith and the News. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispie Sandwich.